After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Baseball America Playoff Podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, joined by J.J. Cooper. Uh, who has rested. I will, lie, I will not lie to you. I didn't make it through the end of a very thrilling. I, I watched that uh, ALC, ALCS game. I lost it in about the seventh, and then I woke up this morning and finished it on the DVR. So I, I am, I am a bad, bad, bad fan. I am proud to say I made it the whole way, and uh, that's what October is all about. Team no sleep. Middle school bus uh, route arrives very early. Yeah, I just have a puppy. JJ, great dramatic finish. The Red Sox. You know, we didn't podcast yesterday. The Red Sox and Astros tied one-one. Boston goes in, takes the first two in Houston. Last night, dramatic finish, but we do need to talk about the home run that wasn't, right. if it, you it will. Is, it's a, we could talk about Andrew Benatendi's catch that wins it. Great job. And Mookie Betts is playing right field in the eighth, the spinning throw to get Tony Kemp, which outfield is incredible. Outfield defense in a, in, a, in a playoffs where bad catching defense has seemed to be kind of uh, something that we will remember. Great outfield defense is another thing we're going to remember. Those plays, the Chris Taylor catch that he made, in the 13-inning uh, game, which would not have gone 13 innings, I don't think, if Chris Taylor doesn't make that catch. There's been Cody a Bellinger had a, a catch in right field that was right. jaw-dropping. So there's been a lot of good outfield defense. But speaking of outfield defense, I mean, we have to start with kind of the – I'll ask you first. What is your opinion I'm on – I'm starting first. You're okay. starting first. So what is your opinion on the play? I mean, if you somehow are listening to this and you haven't seen it, that is a Venn diagram that I want to see. Like, is like, oh, I don't care enough to watch even highlights of the game, but I will listen to the Baseball America podcast. You're a fan of us. We appreciate it. But you've probably seen it. Mookie Betts goes back on a Jose Altuve ball. The ball hits his glove. The glove is closed. His hand is hit. Then it the deflects fan. a hand, comes back in. So where I'm at on this, it's to me, it's difficult to state anything definitive without having that view along, the, you, along, along, along the wall. You know, we needed a pylon cam. We, we need, needed, we, no, we we needed a goal line. Right, and we needed the security guard out of the way. Yes. So for me, you know, I can understand, yes, it looks like it might have cleared the fence, maybe from the angle that, they were, that was available to us. But from a perspective, just viewpoint, you can't really tell definitively without that view along the mm-hmm. home run wall. So for me, again, and this is where the initial call makes all the difference in the world, it's tough to overturn without that call. And we see it in the NFL every single Sunday. Without that definitive, correct angle or viewpoint, you can't really overturn it. And that's where, for me, it's difficult to state yay or nay. I feel like that it was over the wall 
it should not have been interference. Now, when I say that, I feel that 60-40. However, I don't feel like anyone was jobbed here. Joe West, who understandably and has earned many a criticism <laughs> over the year, but on that play, he was he got to the best position you could get, basically, and he watched it and he made a call. And it is a call that if we had if we had the 360 view where you could literally spin the camera computer stitching and focus on it, we still, I don't think, would it would still be a debatable play. It was that close. When you put all that together, he made the call. And yeah, I I, I felt like you, you, it is one of those tough calls. The same thing, in essence, like a strike that calls, you know, strike three, where you look at it and it's like, okay, maybe it was actually a quarter inch off the plate, but it's close enough that either call he makes the, is justifiable. The, the, kind of like the foul ball with uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., the camera angle that they were showing us coming in, we couldn't really see movement, but the way the umpire reacted and Bradley reacted immediately, you can hear the tick. Again, it's hard to say, oh, they blew that one. It might feel like the calls were going against the right. Astros, but uh, to me, it's, 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 it's tough to sit here and, again, without that camera angle, I can't sit here and bang my, my fist on the table. And the other thing about it, though, is, is that it is easy. If I was an Astro fan, I would be screaming it like, okay, that's a two-run, you know, that, that's the game. It's a tie game then. It's eight. But it wasn't. Like, the thing that stands out about it also is, is that ball did not land over the fence. And it's not the easiest thing in the world well, to say. Well, it kind of got deflected back in off the hand. But my point, though, is, is it's not a home run to me. Like, if it had been, if you had ruled that it's not interference, I think you also very easily could have ruled that it's a double because the ball did hit Mookie Betts' glove. And then it also hit a fan's hand. And then it hit Mookie Betts' glove again and then it landed in play. I'm not saying that that makes evidence that it didn't clear the fence, but what I am saying is, is it's hard for me to say for sure that that is a home run because we do know if Mookie Betts had gone up with no fan interference, gone over the fence, reached literally like, he could have reached beyond and almost below the yellow line and caught the ball enough to throw it back over the fence, it's not a home run. Like, to me, like that would have been a double probably most again difficult calls all the way around but i think it would have been a double if it hadn't been interference because the ball landed in play it was thrown in and if that's the case then that does not mean that the astros are sitting there at 8-8 at the end of the game it may be we don't know what would have happened after that but it also it's not a guarantee where you put those two runs on the board and i think aj hinge made a good point in post game where he said that's not where we lost the game even after that the astros had a lead of 4-3 they they Rallied back, they were up 4-3 in the fourth, they were up 5-4 in the fifth, they had two leads, and they didn't hold them. And at the end of the day, in a postseason game, especially when a, when, a, when a controversial play happens early, again, it's one thing if it happens in the ninth, but what happens in the second, there's always more chances, right. and the Red Sox took advantage of theirs more than the Astros took advantage the, of theirs. The other thing that has surprised me, because I've clearly, if you listen to these podcasts, I really thought going into this series that the Astros bullpen significantly greater than the Red Sox bullpen. And I do think over the course of the season, I think that is an undeniable fact. We have 162 games that have shown this. However, in this playoff series. Oh, it's been a, a slaughter. The Red Sox have completely dominated head to head compared to the Astros bullpen.
And the crazy part about this is the lone exception you could make to that is Craig Kimbrell, who is one of the greatest relievers of all time. I mean, again, you want him to have the, the rest of his career. But Craig Kimbrell's career so far, he has been truly among the elite of elite closers. And he's done this now for long enough that you're not saying it's a one-year fluke or anything like that. That said, right now, a Craig Kimbrell, you know, it, it's like watching Mitch Williams in the, you know, when, when he was closing out games for the Phillies where you're like, okay, you know anytime he comes in, it might work out, but man, it's going to be a rocky ride if you're a Red Sox fan. You know, it's crazy watching Craig Kimbrell have this lack of fastball command. I feel like I'm watching Jorge Julio. I mean, that's the level we're talking about of fastball command just being absolutely nowhere. Which, Santiago Casilla with uh, with the Giants in the World Series a few years ago, remember he had a run too where he couldn't seem to get his fastball over the plate. I mean, the, these are not the level of relievers Craig Kimbrell's normally at. And this is, but if you told me, the thing about this is when Craig Kimbrell was coming up, the concern about Craig Kimbrell was is Craig Kimbrell walked everybody. And then he got to the big leagues, he figured it out. Now we're seeing Craig Kimball regress to what he was coming up through the minors. I, you know, it's crazy. I do want to say, you know, we've, we've focused on kind of the negatives, the controversies, Kimball. There's some great, great moments in this game. Jackie Bradley Jr. Yes. has been absolutely fantastic this postseason. I tweeted out last night, he clearly got something figured out there at the final 60-some-odd games, carried it into the postseason. Ben Benintendi's catch, you know, our... our I, you know, I always want to say our late editor-in-chief, John Manuel, he's not dead. Yeah, he's just yes. no longer our, with us. Our, our previous editor-in-chief. Yeah, yes. you know, he, uh, he made the comment, you know, wow, he could, you know, was, has there been better defensive plays to end a series? And at least in my lifetime, it's tough to think of some. Um, you know, Pudge Rodriguez holding on at the plate as J.T. Snow barrels over him to, to win mm -hmm. the 2003 NLDS comes to mind. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Uribe uh, in Game 4 of the 2005 World Series. I mean, those were good plays. JJ, can you think of any that quite like this? I mean, that's just an incredible catch. No time to think. Instincts take over. Layout. Huge situation. I, I loved and, it. And not only that, but you have going beyond that. It is a tough. The decision to lay out even is a tough call there. But that's that's instinctual. No, no, I don't no, think no, it, I'm saying it is. But you say instinctual. But you play you play much more than I do. But every time I'm playing, every time I've ever played you have to be thinking of game situation before the play begins. Yes. And if you are Andrew Pen Benintendi, before that play begins, one of the things you have to think about is, is, okay, what are the situations here? Clearly, if it's over my head, I, there's no situation where you don't like, I mean, again, that's, that's an easy call. You lay out for anything. But if it's in, but if it's in front of you, and I know that they're running, I know it's two outs, but if it's in front of you where it's going to possibly skip right in your glove where you can throw home, it is possible that you making that play will keep the tying run, and especially you'll, you'll definitely keep the winning run from scoring, where if you lay out for it and you don't make it and it gets by you, the game is, you know, like, I mean, Oh, it's, it's, it's there's over. no question. It's, it's, it's risky. Over. It's so gutsy. So what I'm saying is, is yeah. that it goes even beyond that to me is, is that it was an incredible catch. And it was a catch where you had to basically, in the blink of an eye, make that decision. I can make this, and laying out for it is the call that I, you know, again, because I know that Andrew Benteni is a smart player. I know he thought some step of that through that. You're right. You're absolutely, at that point, you're like, make the play. But he had already, he had already worked pre, through his pre, head. Pre, 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 yes, pre-pitch mental preparation, no question. And by the way, he also said after the game that he was supposed to be like two steps back further but 
where that's where his positioning was in that situation. But he thought no, and he took two, you know, he took a step and a half, two steps in, and that's the difference between him making that catch and not. All around, the Red Sox, you know, they're all be outfield. I don't want to say killer bees because the Astros trademarked that. But fielders. I mean, Betts, Benintendi, JBJ. By the way, who would have thought JBJ would be the offensive force? Not that we ever thought right. Benintendi and Betts weren't good defensive center, good defensive outfielders. We know they they're, are. They're, they're, but it's, it's I, a three-center field outfield. And by the way, the other B in this, and, Xander Bogarts, by the way, hitting 333, had another double which, yesterday, two ribs. The Red Sox, all the guys they need to lean on, for the most part, except for J.D. Martinez, they're performing. That's why they're up 3-1. Go the other way, too, though. This is a great defensive outfield that the Astros have out there as well. Again, that series has been really fun, and we we, we have a game today that uh, is— Price Verlander. Hashtag 2012 Tigers. You know, which actually I know that I know. Not 2012. I'm sorry, 2014. But I know it is. It does feel a little bit like okay, well, Sale. You know, okay, he's not ready yet. He's not ready. He's lost weight. All that. This is that. This is the ideal situation if you are the Red Sox to me. In that, I would actually not needing the win today. If you steal the one of Price versus Verlander, which by the way you are the underdog, (laughs) but if you steal it. Great, but if you don't, giving Chris Sale days to kind of add a little bit of weight to a frame that doesn't carry much weight as it generally is, and a rested Chris Sale is a very, very good thing. And again, even if you had a fully healthy Chris Sale, Chris Sale versus Justin Verlander, you say that's that's a 45, 50, 50, you know, it's a a wash at best. best. Whereas now, if you say, okay, you're not facing Verlander. If I say arrested Chris Sale versus Garrett Cole, well, that feels to me more like if I'm the Red Sox, I'm like, we may actually have the advantage in this. Garrett Cole's a great pitcher, but Chris Sale is even better. Um, Which takes us on to the other series. So so I want to set this up. Uh, You might see sometimes that we at Baseball America, we're opinionated. We have a lot of fun office discussions. And there are times on social media we'll go back and forth. We promise. We still love each other. It's not social media shade. Like, it's all, it's all in love. Um, and in that regard, JJ and I had a, a public disagreement last night. Oh, absolutely. Night. And so, JJ, I want to start with you. You know, you, uh, the decision to let pull Wade Miley after one batter, bring in Brandon Woodruff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just take us through your thought process there. Okay. So, let's start with when they, the minute that the Brewers knew that they were going back to Milwaukee. The minute they knew that, they knew that Wade Miley was going to be, their plan was is Wade Miley was going to pitch game six for them. They did not have, the crazy thing is, is after Gio Gonzalez had to leave very quickly, they truly at this point, they have, if you want to talk about starting type pitchers, they have Julius Chassin, who is ticketed to start game seven for them. And as he should be. <laughs> yes. They have Wade Miley, who pitched, who's pitched really well, but so they have him. They have Brandon Woodruff, who he, is he a starter or not, whatever you want to call it, but the reality of it is, is who goes, who gives them length. You know, now length is, in the Brewers world these days, is four innings, but he gives them four. Okay. And then beyond that, you have... Your Corbin Burns, your Freddie Peralta, Freddie who we Peralta, saw throw Javi Guerra, who can give them more. Than, yeah, Junior Guerra. Junior Guerra, not Javi. Junior Guerra, who can give them more than an inning. But, and they're trying to make seven starts. So, if you look at it, if you look at it and say they're taking, 
you know, Wade Miley out of this game, and he should start game five, and we don't know who's going to start game six, but their bullpen would be rested. I see the logic of it, but the reality is, is they looked at it and said, Wade Miley's our game six starter. Brandon Woodruff, in essence, is our game five starter. If that's the case, facing a Dodgers team that more than any other team in this playoffs, if you're facing the Red Sox, you just mentioned the outfield. None of them are moving. Right. You, you, know you mentioned the infield for the Red Sox. None of them basically. You know who you're going to face. If you're talking about the Astros, pretty much you know who you're going to face. To an extent, if you're facing the Brewers, you kind of know who you're going to face. Like, Scope has played mostly poorly now. enough that you know that Travis <laughs> you know. So, okay. So, all that. But with the Dodgers, they do look at it. They want Yaziel Puig to face. They, they do not want to make. They, they have pitchers they want Puig to face. They have pitchers they don't. Same with David Free. Same, same with, with David Free, Max Muncy. Max Muncy. You know, so how, how they maneuver the Taylor, Hernandez, Bellinger. Yes, agreed. So that being said, it's not going to hurt you to have Wade Miley go out there and face one batter. That whenever coaches and managers say, well, it was his throw day, this is an extent where I actually will give you that. If you tell Wade Miley before you go out there, you're facing one batter, we don't want you to basically blow it out like the, you are starting game six, facing this one batter, and then you're out of there. Yes, you're facing one batter. You can do that, and you will be ready for game six, and I don't think it'll affect him one bit for his game six start. You are just trying to gain that advantage. And Brandon Woodruff, by the way, I know that their bullpen was taxed, but Brandon Woodruff gave them everything that they could hope to get oh, completely out of the starting agree. pitcher. Completely if you started agree. Wade Miley in this game and been done with him, you could have said, we're going to go Miley-Woodruff. But the problem is if you do that is I don't know who. I mean, unless you want to move Chassin up to start game six, your game six then is I don't know who's going out there. You're saying we're going to start Freddie Peralta and then we're going to go to Corbin Burns and we hope we spackle it together somehow because the back of our bullpen will be rested. They took a risk, a minor risk with this, and the reality of it is, is that, yes, knowing that their, the back of their bullpen was taxed, that's where they lost it in this game. And really, more than anything, where they lost it in this game, I would still say, is, is they didn't hit. And that, for me, is, is something I want to start with. Mm -hmm. The reason the Brewers are going back to Milwaukee down 3-2 is not because of this decision. Mm -hmm. uh, whatever I say from here on out, please keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. You score three runs in 22 innings, you're not going to win many ball games. So I completely agree that that is why the Brewers are where they are first and foremost. So again, keep that in mind as I move forward from here with my case. For me, you have to adapt to what the situation is on the ground. When you go 13 innings the night before and you say, okay, we have no Josh Hader, we have no Corey Knable uh, available to us, Junior Guerra and Freddie Peralta gave us three plus yesterday, they're pretty much down as well. Mm -hmm. We have to figure out a way to cover nine innings. Mm -hmm. The best way to cover nine innings with the arms available to them was to let Miley go, even if he goes two innings. Woodruff gives you five, you get into the seventh, and now you're only trying to cover the back two innings with, again, when your options are Joaquin Soria pitching for the third day in a row, Corbin Burns pitching on back-to-back -back days for only the second time in his, uh, third time in his entire professional career, you know, Xavier Cedeno, who has been having one job and not been doing it well, when those are your only real options, and Zach Davies, who hasn't thrown in weeks, right. you need to get as much as you can 
from your two guys. Again, I agree with the philosophy if they See, pitch in, if they play nine innings the night but, before but and said, they have more arms available to them. Even if you get them. two innings from Miley, if you go Miley, if you start him, like so, if you if if they yes. did that though mm-hmm. and they lost the game, they're done. But you got they're they're down three two and that's no, but, the, but it's, it's, it's they've it's, got Wade Miley and Julius Jasin for the last two games and rested bullpen. They're not done. You have to. You want to go back to Milwaukee up three games, too. I agree they're not no, done. But, no but, one's but done. You're saying, but but, it, but you're saying, what you're saying to do, though, to me, is an all-in bet where you say, we have to do this, and then, but you're saying, so how, if you did I feel way, better doing that, putting in all my chips to try and win that game, and even if you don't, you go back and you say, okay, again, talking about piecing it together, that's what the Brewers have done the entire no, postseason. Yeah, whether it's start testing three days rest or Peralta's now rested, Guerra is now rested. Hayter's rested. Knable's rested. Those four guys can get you nine innings, and you feel okay about it. Who knows? Maybe even Zach Davies, depending on how you want to deploy him and get him warmed up, who, again, has been a starter his whole life, can give you two but, innings. I feel better about trying to piece together game six, having given everything we have to go up 3-2, then all of a sudden we're down 3-2. And, yeah, maybe your pitching lines up better, but that one-game advantage is a huge difference. But, You're now but again, one game think, from elimination. I think, I think if you'd have done what you said, you'd have still lost that game because they didn't hit. And now you would go into game six and seven in a situation where you say, yes, you have the, re- the back of your bullpen is rested, but you do not, there is a reality is that they believe much more in Brandon Woodruff, length from Brandon Woodruff and Wade Miley and Julius Tassin right now than they do Freddie Peralta, who's been good in this series. Oh, agreed, and, and they Carter should. Burns, where if they lost, what they did is they crafted a scenario, they're still trying to win game five, but they crafted a scenario where they feel they are best equipped to win six and seven at home in a way where, like, they do look at it right now, and okay, they won't have Woodruff, but pretty much everyone you mentioned there, and again, you, you, I like how you said, maybe you get two from him. Wade Miley has pitched really well lately. It also not, it would not surprise any of us if Wade Miley goes out there in game six, because he's Wade Miley. He's good. He's not great. And he basically, in the second inning, you're going, uh-oh, we, we got to get him out of here. And if that happens, they're now better equipped for that also for that than they would have been if they'd have basically gone all in in game five. Because Woodruff is right now the only pitcher, as I see it, from game five who cannot pitch in game six. Agree he won't be able to pitch in game six, maybe game seven. I think so. I just, it's hard to state definitively without being Craig Council. I will say, though, you know, at the end of the day, we've got the team that had the most wins in Major League Baseball, up three games to one. They have a chance to close it out tonight. The defending National League champions, up three games to two, chance to close it out Friday. What do you expect to happen? Again, I do think that somehow the Brewers, I, I, I'll stay with the Brewers, even though, I mean, obviously it'd be easy for you to switch, but I, you know, I do think they're relatively well set up. They're going home, um, but they got a hit. But Christian Yelich is, is the MVP. Uh, 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 To me, it's like a clear slam dunk. He's the MVP of the National League. And Chris Yelich right now is not hitting. You need Christian Yelich to hit. You need, you know, they have to. You need Jesus Aguilar to hit. You you need that entire lineup to hit, and it's not. And that will. it's not. But, you know, and the reality is is the Dodgers are pretty well set up as well because they are, they have pretty much everyone, and I like, you know, they're they're set up for six and seven as well. Um, I, you know, again, these are both series where, you know, I'm not changing my predictions because I'll, I'll just stick with them. And we, every one of these 
has been close enough. Like, again, what we're talking about in that Dodgers-Brewers series, if the Brewers, if that ball falls and Chris Taylor doesn't catch it and the Brewers win that game, then we're, we're talking about this right now in a situation where it's like, man, the Brewers are in great shape. I will, it's, it's, it's that thin a margin. I will say that while the Dodgers and Brewers might be the most fun to kind of armchair analyze because of all the mixing and matching and the strategizing, just watching the two series, the ALCS to me has been a much higher quality of play. You're seeing better at bats. You're seeing a lot less wasted opportunities. You're seeing more impressive defensive plays and less defensive mistakes. And I think you're yeah. also seeing, on the whole, better pitching. Again, it's a little bit wonky. The American League is better than the National League. I, I, right, and that's, I mean, and they'll that, win the World Series, and, but it's better. And, that, and that's what I want to lead into is I think sometimes, not that there's ever a debate, but I think it's become crystal clear the best of the American League play at a higher quality than the best of the National League. I, I would definitely agree. That's a perfect way to kind of wrap this up as we, uh, you know, apologize we couldn't do it yesterday. The, the vagaries we've, of we, producing an issue do yep. sometimes get in the way. We've got an issue coming out. The American League East top tens we're getting put together. That'll be in the next issue. And, Make and sure. by the way, also, BaseballAmerica.com, we put up the top 50 uh, college draft prospects yesterday. So check that out if you're a subscriber. If you're not, it's always a great time to subscribe. You can check that out as well. But yeah, we will be rolling out top tens. Uh, I'm just finishing doing. I've just finished the race top ten. I've got to finish right in the thirty. But man, that that Tampa Bay race system is a very very good one. Um, there are also some other good ones in the, uh, and there's some some not so good ones in the. But Blue Jays is a really good you know system as well. Having the top prospect in baseball who's really really good and is absolutely big league ready is never a bad thing to start a. Farm system. Certainly not. Well, for JJ Cooper, I'm Kyle Glazer. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening, everybody.